Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes knows the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. Ephraimites and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Reinbold, and this is the House of Ephraim show today. We do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in the show. It's Mark Reinbold. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity, again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that 
and you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about, and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call, 618-262-2810, and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Decker. The covenant in which the Lord God began and has never changed. It was an ongoing, call it an institution if you like, call it West God a contract if you must, but it's life and death. God set the covenant for us, for his children, and any stranger that might come into his camp and keep his Torah, his covenant, would be considered children of the living God himself, Yahweh. So, uh, again, we're not going to go back, and I'm not going to spend this weekend trying to convince. If, if you're here and you don't know that, it, it may get a little uh, uneasy, but hang on, you'll be okay. We, 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 we haven't lost anybody uh, that I know of uh, from just absolutely having a, some kind of a seizure over the fact that we hair-lift their doctrine, okay? But what we want to do is explore with you. I am convinced that through the generations that we have lost some very, very valuable things that was brought down by God. The, the indictment that we bring down, that I bring down toward the churches is simply the fact that most of us in this room are filled with the Holy Ghost. When the Bible was canonized, it was canonized by the, by the folks in Rome, of which none were filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, that in itself should lend the idea that maybe, maybe there was a snake in the wood pile somewhere. And there was. There still is. And the fact of it is that it's time now that God is going to bring the remnant forth and we're going to stand up and we're the ones upon whom the ends are written. Whether the church likes it or they don't like it, whether or not, bless God, uh, the people that's in the communities like it or not, that's not going to hold back what God's about to do. The greatest exodus that there has ever been on the face of this earth is going to happen in our time and our generation because God truly is about to bring Ephraim back home. And those of you that are here this night that know that you're of the, of, of the ten lost tribes uh, that was, uh, uh, went north uh, when it was divided during the time after Solomon, uh, get, uh, then you have that within your heart that you know. And people often say, well, how do you know that if you're of those ten lost tribes? You know something, folks? It doesn't really make any difference. The way that most of you know is because something happened in your hearts. Something jumped inside. There's, uh, there, it was planted there generations ago. Uh, I go through a thing uh, called the transitioning of the church, and I talk about all of that. But the fact of it is, if you come in to the things of God and you keep His Torah and you keep the covenant, then you are a child of God according to His Word. And therefore, then you are what? You're in line for. Now, let me say something as we start this tonight that I think is going to make this evening go a lot smoother for, for most of you, maybe some of you, and hopefully none of you, because I hope that you're all into this thing deep enough that you're going to catch on and it just move right along with it, all right? The, the beginning of this, and we're going to start in, in, in Genesis. We're going to walk back through the, the, the Bible this weekend. I was kind enough to keep everything in order so you, we won't jump from one side of the Bible to the other side. We're just going to go through it. 
But what I want you to place into your spirits and your hearts in the beginning is simply this. The blessed God, that when God said that he was going to make a covenant, where we're going to start tonight, uh, we're going to talk about Noah in the beginning, that was an ongoing thing. In other words, it's something that progressed. And where we in the church missed the progression of it, Christ himself, Mashiach, Yeshua, was a fulfillment of, not the completion of, that which the Lord God made in the covenant, because it kept moving it kept moving forward. In other words, you're going to see as we begin with Noah. Well, that same covenant with Noah wasn't the same covenant, bless God, that David had. It wasn't the same covenant that Moses seemed to have had. Oh, but it was. It was an extension that just added to as time dictated unto it. And when, when Mashiach, when Yeshua came, then he fulfilled. He said, I've come to fulfill and not to destroy the law. And what he did was he fulfilled and he attached the rest of it. Now listen, the end of the matter of the covenant lies with you and I. We are the end of the matter. The generations have come and they have gone. Ephraim was hid and scattered to the four corners of the earth as the Lord God scattered them. But now all of a sudden things have begun to change. Now all of a sudden the Lord God has begun to say, Ephraim, come home. The hearts of Ephraim are being turned unto the Lord our God. Uh, fulfilling the scriptures that, uh, you know, that the hearts of the fathers will return to the sons, the sons' the hearts will turn, uh, will turn that to the fathers. And, and the, 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 the multitudes that are coming into this thing are absolutely astounding. Now, what would bring you to Fairfield, Illinois? See, I, I don't think any of you, well, not very many in this room, knew there was such a place called Fairfield, Illinois. I knew there was a place called Fairfield, Connecticut, uh, but I never, uh, you know, uh, living here, of course, I knew about a Fairfield, Illinois. What brought us here? It was Yeshua. It was this thing of Ephraim, come home, has brought us here. This isn't, this isn't the attraction of a preacher. There has been preachers come, there's been preachers go. This is a move of God, and that's what's exciting about it. Stand with me. We're going to go to prayer. That's an introduction before the introduction. I mean, that's, I don't know what that means, but it's all right. If you can, stretch your hands up into the Lord God, Yahweh. There's going to be a generation, there was going to be a time when God was going to do what he's doing now. Most of us in this room have wandered from church to church. We have tried everything that came down the block and why we didn't fit. But there's got to be more. There's got to be a deeper depth and a higher height than I know because I became very distraught when I would read the book of Acts. I didn't see me and you in the book of Acts. I saw them in the book of Acts. But you want to know something, folks? We are the book of Acts. Amen? And these are exciting times. Amen? Turn with me. and We're going to name this the, 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 the Everlasting Covenant. Turn with me in, in Genesis, the ninth chapter. We're going to start uh, here as the Lord God, and I'm sure that we were all familiar uh, when we were children in Sunday school with the, 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 the story of Noah. Now, for those of you that are taking notes, and for those of you who haven't, get you a notebook so you can tomorrow. The fact of it is, the word covenant simply means formal, solemn, and binding agreement. Now, it is a formal, it's solemn, and binding, and it's an agreement. It's also a promise. It's also a contract. All right? Now, there is nothing more powerful in this world 
the world's to come, than the Word of Almighty God. We're dealing with a God that said, let there be light, and there was light. Try to figure that out in this thing up here called our mind. We're trying to deal with a living God that caused the oceans to do what they do with the high tide, the low tide. We're dealing with a God that's thoughts are above our thoughts, ways above our ways, and yet we, as humans, have brought ourselves often to the point of thinking that we can figure out God. Oh, well, we've had those that have done what? Well, I, uh, I went back and I looked at the Bible and I, I, I got these uh, all these years and I lined this all up and I did all this and, and I can tell you right now that uh, what, what uh, uh, the, the thing about 1988, the Lord was coming. I don't know if most of you in this room probably can remember uh, the fellow that did the book, uh, uh, how many reasons that the Lord was coming in 19, wasn't it 88 reasons or something like that that he's coming in 88? What was it? Somebody said? Okay. And so did it happen now. Uh, I can remember uh, years ago when I was a child, my grandmother talking about a minister that had been through this area went down to ten in Tennessee, and he came up with a theory as to when the Lord God was going to come. And so, and, and the congregation there that was about, a, I think, a, maybe 150 or so, sold everything that they had, gave everything of their possessions under the, under the people that was there that was needy in that, that city. They went up on a high mountaintop, took off all their clothes as the preacher was counting down the time, put them in a sack and sent them back down the hill with a neighbor to be given to the, to the needy and the poor. And guess what? They could still be standing there today if they were foolish enough to stay standing, right? So somehow in all of this, we have at points and times thought that we got smarter than God. And folks, that's very important to grasp onto this weekend. We, are, we have been created by God. He is the Creator. His ways, as he tells us, is above our ways, farther than the heavens are above the earth. So we're not going to figure out God. So these, these little acts in which we have done through the generations, calling it the Methodist Church and the Baptist Church, the Catholic Church, the Charismatic Movement, this movement, that movement, every other movement, for the most part, we, we caught on to the revelation knowledge but then we decided to take over here, and we decided, God, we'll take it from here. You can sit down over there because, <clears throat> after all, we've got this figured out. Folks, we don't have it figured out. All these generations that have passed, we still don't have this thing figured out. And, you know, I have said privately and maybe publicly that if, in fact, the Lord God was to tarry long enough, do you know what would happen? This thing that God is starting right now on this earth, will no, be no less than the Methodists, the Baptists, the Catholics, the Lutherans, the Pentecostals, and whatever else we left out, uh, we could add to that. Because we need to come to a place. I have always said there will be a time when God will raise a generation up that it will be the end. When he raises a generation up at the end, he will give us, by the anointings that was invested by him in us from the foundation of this world, he will give us the, the opportunity to have failed enough that we could begin to understand the possibilities of a living God that could say, let there be light, and there was light. And I believe that's exactly where we have come 
through these generations. We now stand at the time. We stand poised. It's taken place. In the spirit realm, it was planted. Ephraim come home. And now Ephraim's beginning to gather themselves. We need to go back and examine everything, folks, that we have ever believed. We must go back and we must examine it. And we must make very certain that it wasn't the doctrine of a man. Okay? It wasn't the doctrine of, of a group of men, a group of men and women. That these things are truly set forth by the, from the kingdom of God, by God himself. Now, the Bible is very explicit. If you found Genesis in the ninth chapter, I'm, I'm gonna, we're going to skip some of this. We're going to start in the eighth verse, all right? And, it, and God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And I, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you. Now, it's important that you understand not so much that he said, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you. That's what's important. Because once God makes covenant, all right, then that covenant is everlasting. Uh, you, you know, we go back, and we the argument that goes back and forth and back and forth now in the churches, well, we don't live by the law, and we don't do this, and we don't do that. And, you know, being a Jew, it was real simple for me to, 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 to start standing up and saying what I said. Well, if you don't live by the law, church, then quit preaching Malachi, the third chapter, to get everybody's money. If you're going to leave the law alone, then leave it completely alone. But no, we didn't leave it alone. What we did was we started picking and choosing, grabbing this and grabbing that, and, and saying the 91st Psalms, you know, blown away. What we really were saying was we've become Christians, and now we get the covenant. And, and, and there was a new covenant. We said, well, now there's a new covenant now made, and that old covenant has now passed away because, you know, Paul said this and Paul said that. And, you know, when we get through this weekend, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to just bet that 99% of you and hopefully 100 of you in this room are going to stand here at this altar and you're going to decide that you're going to make covenant with the Lord God Yahweh. I believe that. If you will, if you will follow and you understand what was, what was being done even here with Noah, and, and he said to him, he said, and with every living creature that is with you, uh, of the fowl, of the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, from all that go out of the ark to every, every beast of the earth. And I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more for the waters of a flood. Neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. Now, why, why did he say that? Remember uh, him saying that Noah was the only righteous man left on the earth, knowing his, knowing his family. Well, what had actually happened in that was when the angels of darkness had come down and portrayed themselves as flesh and blood of men, had entered into the women, and then there was giants, Nephilim, that was brought forth in the land. The, the, the Lord God wasn't going to tolerate that. Okay? Now, I prophesied some things about all of that and how that, that once again is even happening now on this earth, unbeknownst entirely to the church world uh, to the, and to the world itself, completely unknown. Uh, but it is, it is a process in which the Lord God had to keep what he placed and created here clean and pure. And when, and when, the, when, the, when these angels of darkness came and portrayed themselves as flesh and blood, entered into our women, and our women became impregnated and brought forth monsters is what it amounted to. That's when the Lord God said there's none righteous. See, it wasn't because Noah went to church every week. That, that wasn't why Noah was righteous. 
he was righteous because he or his family hadn't entered into any of that. So the Lord God said, okay, I'm going to take Noah, the, the righteous one, and I'm going to bring him and his and so many of the animals, two by twos, and all the things that he did, and I'm going to bring them forth. Now, he said, now, here's what we're going to do. He said, I'm going to flood this earth. And he said, I'm going to destroy all flesh on this earth except you, Noah, your family, uh, and the animals in which you brought in this ark. And he said, and then this is where we've entered in here where he began to say, but I'm going to make a covenant. He said, I'm going to make a contract. I'm going to make a promise. I'm going to make, I'm going to make a, a formal and a, a solemn binding agreement with you that never again will I flood this earth with water and all flesh die. Now, stop and think about that. You, you, now, we can do this one or two ways when you say, well, we, we were lucky, okay? Well, luck doesn't have a thing to do with it when it comes to God, amen. But the fact of it is, we haven't been lucky. We've just flat been living off this covenant that God made with Noah. Now, what's the difference with this covenant and, and, and the covenant that God made with Moses? Well, we're going to study this, and you're going to find out. Yes, as time began to progress, as, as Noah, when they came off, and now, now remember what he did? He said, uh, look on over there, and I think I can do that at this point. Uh, well, let's see, 12th verse. And God said, this is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you, and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations, which just means it's never going to end, all right? I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token. That word token is a sign for a covenant between me and the earth. So what did God really do? He not only made that with Noah, with those animals, the birds, and all the rest of them, but he also made that covenant with the earth itself that he said, and it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth, that the bow shall be seen in the cloud, and I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the waters shall no more become uh, become a flood to destroy all flesh. And and we still have that today. I know today any time that I look up in that sky and I see that bow, I go, wow. God set it there. It wasn't by chance. It wasn't for uh, some reason to entertain us. God made a covenant that was perpetual. It never changed. And, and I believe, too, uh, brothers and sisters, that one of the things that, that I think that, that, that we have uh, sadly uh, missed is that we, we somehow, in, in all of our religion, we begin to try to divide the way between what we've come to know the Old Testament to the New Testament. Trying to think that, bless God, that the Old Testament wasn't... You know, today, there, there are sects of, of Christianity today that, that only has what they call the New Testament. That's all they preach and teach out of. The, the, the Old Testament, they call it, that is, is irrelevant to the day. That, that just a bunch of stories. And there is some, some places are even saying that these stories that are in the Old Testament, that they call it, the Tanakh, bless God, that these stories weren't even really, didn't really happen. They were just stories... To, to be able to get us to imagine there being a living, mighty God. Well, that's just a bunch of bunk, okay? And, but you see what's happened without the display, and I have always said this, without the display of the unadulterated power of God's anointing, the manifestation of His anointing in services will bring you to that kind of understanding and that kind of thinking. And that's dangerous. Because once you do, see, I, I'm, I'm always, I'm always one of these people 
that have believed that when the Lord God Yeshua said, if you can't believe me for the word, believe me for the miracles. I've always believed that. From the time before I ever ministered for the first time in one of God's holy beamers, I believe that, bless God, that we, as the children of God, we were going to have to do more than try to out-talk the group down the street. And I have always believed that. I will go to be with the Lord God believing that because I have seen it. And, I, and I, most of you have heard me tell the stories about being in the third world and, and, and the third world. They come not because I can out-talk the, uh, the, the witch doctors and, and bless God, uh, some of the other ministers that are come and go out of there. They come because people receive miracles. That's what, it, that's what that, the, it's the power of God. The fact that there is a being or there is an element of a being that far surpasses somebody having to go in and having an operation in a, in a hospital by a surgeon that through the means of, of by faith and the name of Yeshua, the blessed God, the dead can raise, the blind can see, and the lame can walk. The deaf can hear, the dumb can speak. All matter of diseases can leave. Now, folks, that was the demonstration in which the Lord God was bringing forth, even in this, even in this bow, or we call it a rainbow, that now comes in, was the power of God. And, and every time that I look at that bow, chills run up and down my spine. I said, my Lord and my God, even today, all those generations since Noah, you still have kept the covenant. And probably, folks, that may be one of the strongest points, in fact, that the covenant still exists today. Now, again, it was simple for us to be taught that, oh my goodness, you know, we're, you know, you're now, you're, you know, you're the New Testament. When I, as a Jew, become, you know, was a Christian, I was quickly told that don't forget this, that you're, you're to uh, now uh, get away from all that stuff, the Old Testament stuff. That you're a Christian and you've been, you know, boy, as a Jew, I jumped up and down and said, well, boy, I like that. Man, I'm for that. We'll just do away with all that, which my family had done away with all that a long, long time ago. But the fact of it was, I was taking somebody else's word for something. And if there's anything that I can give you this weekend, it's going to be that. Don't you let me, don't you let anybody persuade you. You seek God and you be sure that what's in your heart is coming straight from the throne room of God, and it's just not some man trying to entice you into thinking or believing something that, bless God, that you either don't want to believe or you don't. See, I don't believe that this, this, this movement of God has anything to do with us trying to persuade each other. I think it's already set. I think it's set in the hearts. The thing that I'm finding across America, when you find Ephraim, their hearts are already and all you're doing is just pushing a button, and it, they jump. That's all that's happening to us. We're not, we're not, you know, it isn't that we got a sales job. It isn't that we're trying to say, oh, look, come, we've got a better thing here than they had over there. No, no, we're just telling you that God is about to do something magnificent, and he's already chosen you. See, that, this is the part that I, I, I love so much about this. He chose us. He chose us. He said, there will be a time when I will call you and bring you back. He said, I'll drive you to the four corners of this earth. And he said, I will hunt you down and destroy you. And I, and, and I was just out, uh, out in the southwest here a few weeks back, 
and there were some, some native Indians in service with me, and I told them, I said, you, because you're of Ephraim, the reason America has treated you the way America has treated you is because it was being fulfilled that God said that you'd be hunted down and you'd be destroyed wherever you went. And those Indian gals begin to weep and they begin to understand the Lord God is fulfilling His Word. What's His Word say? There'll be a time, Ephraim, that I'll forgive you. There'll be a time that I will bring you back. There will be a time that I will undo you with power and I will cause you to come back home to Israel. See, and, and, and then, as, as the Lord God here just a few months ago began to open up with me and began to say to me that, that now was the time, and he, he began to say to me, he said, you tell the people that the, that the exodus out of Egypt was nothing compared to the exodus that's going to happen around this world back into Israel. And somebody said, well, how is this all going to happen, prophet? I don't have the foggiest idea. Boy, that sounds prophetic, doesn't it? Come follow, come follow this prophet. He'll take you right to nowhere because he doesn't know where. No, no, I just know pieces. That's all I've ever known, a piece here, a piece there. You bring those two over there, and let's see, this goes up there with that. It's like a big puzzle. But I'm confident if God can bring us this for, he'll take us the rest of the way, and we're going to know, and God's going to take us home. I think it's notable to, to say to you that there's 60 million, there's six point so many million known as Judah or the Jews on the earth today, but there's ten times that amount of Ephraim. Folks, that's the reason we're going to go home and we're going to run Israel. The Jews have done a fine job. Ephraim, uh, Judah has gone over there, shed their blood for us. The Bible says first they will come home, then he will bring Ephraim home. Judah went home. Judah spilled a lot of her, their, his blood for us and for the Lord God. And now it's about time for us to go home and say, look, brother, sit down, let's reason together, because we are the outcasts of Israel. And people say, well, how's that all going to work? I don't know, but God does. He's going to implement a plan. He's going to bring the people together and begin to do for us to do what? For us to begin to learn the ways of Yahweh correctly. That's the reason I said I don't really have a lot to offer in the way of of great amount of, 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 of spiritual guidance, as I've already told you about this thing, I can only tell you what I know. I can only tell you what the angel comes and shows me or tells me to prophesy. And I have prophesied and I have said that the Lord God said to me, you will be like unto Moses. You will cry out unto the church, let my people go. It will disturb the church. They will become very upset. There will be a great line drawn between the church and Ephraim. But he said, stand your ground, because I am the Lord God, and I shall fulfill that which I spoke, even unto the prophets of old. You will take home Ephraim for the thousands. Can you imagine what's going to happen when there are 60 million? See, that's the reason I told the rabbis. I said, quit giving away the land. We own it all. It's going to take all of that for us to be there, folks. If not, we're going to be like a bunch of sardines in a can. Quit giving away the land. The land's ours, given to us by the Lord God Yahweh, and he will fight for the land. And see, and that's when I told Judah, I said, Judah, when you decide the Lord God 
He is God and one God. This thing's going to be over. As long as you are over there listening to people such as, and mainly the United States of America, trying to tell you what to do, we're never going to get anywhere. Listen to me. God is on our side. God is on our side. God belongs to us. Mostly we belong to Him. We are the children of the Most High. You and I, you and I, uh, the, the excitement. I'm telling you, I, 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 I know that Brother and I talked uh, today and we got talking about, uh, those times I sit and just stare and I meditate and I'm thinking, dear God in heaven, how could it be that you chose me and you to be here? Did, 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 was it a drawing, maybe a lottery? That, that called? No, 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 no. You see, everything that God has done or everything God is going to ever do, He has absolutely created and spoke it into existence. It was spoken that we would be here. That's the reason I said we're a motley crew at, at most, but we're all that God's got. Okay? We got, we got more religion in us than we got God. If we ever get the religion out of the way and get God and, and, and get the Word in here and replace it, that's the reason I'm saying we must go back and we must re-examine everything we've ever been taught and be certain that it is the truth by God's Word and it's not a tradition of man. Because you see, that's what Judah is by now, the tradition of men. They live by what's called the Talmud. The fact of it is, the Talmud isn't going to get the Talmud can't even get you to heaven. The Talmud can't do anything for you but get you to put the shoe on the right shoe on, then the left shoe, a sock, the left right, right sock, do this sock, do that sock, turn around backwards three times, jump up and down, don't forget to bend over, do this on the, and you may get to heaven. That's the Talmud, and I know that's stupid sounding, but I meant for it to sound stupid. All right, why? Because folks, we live under the auspices of a living God. A God that said, okay, Noah, I know you've been through hell, you and your family. I know those animals have been under a lot of stress. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to make a covenant with you that never again will the earth be flooded by water. And I'm going to put a bow up in the sky. And every time you see the bow, you'll know, and the generations will know after you, that bless God, that it was a perpetual covenant, meaning for everlasting to everlasting. Now, let's go to... Uh, Genesis 17th chapter. Now, there's going to be a lot that we're going to leave out here, so you can uh, go back and study, and hopefully you, I'm going to give you enough to do a lot of studying about. Uh, Genesis 17, and I want to start in the first verse. And when Abraham was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abraham, I'm sorry, Abram, both places Abram, and said unto him, I am the Almighty God, walk before me, and be thou perfect. Now, that word perfect means sincere. And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. So what's he saying? He said, I'm going to make a contract. I'm going to make an, excuse me, an agreement with you, Abraham, or Abram. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with me, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. For what a promise. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called finally Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee, and their generations for an everlasting covenant, 
to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. Now notice, you have to realize the reason that God had done the thing with, with obviously with Noah. Then it came over here in time with Abraham, and he, he's now confirming the covenant is what he's doing. And, he, and notice how he said, he said in that seventh verse, he said, for an everlasting covenant. Now, everlasting means perpetual. It means forever. It means that it never ends. See, that's one of the things that, that, that I have said traveling the United States here for the last couple of years, trying to get everybody on the same page with understanding something. When the Lord God said that you will, you will keep the festivals throughout your generations for a perpetual covenant to me, that's what he meant. When he said to keep Shabbat or to keep the Sabbath, he meant that. It was all part of the contract, all right? And, and you know, people, because again, because of the teaching that we've had, oh my, oh my. And how many of you in this room, if you have begun to practice New Moon, Rosh Hashanah, if you've been practicing anything to do with Shabbat or Sabbath and, the, and any of the festivals, how many of you have come under persecution from families and friends? We all have. They think we're crazy. They think we gave up Jesus. They think we're going to hell. They think we're, bless God, being legalistic about everything. And you know what we're being? We're being Ephraim. That's all we're being. We're not being anybody special. We're not saying, oh, you've got to come here or you're going to hell. We're not, all we're saying is, look, I know, I know I heard that cry, Ephraim, come home. I know I heard it. I heard it so far deeply down inside here that I, under any circumstances, cannot nor will I ever deny what's taking place. I may not understand it, and we don't, but something has happened. The same something that happened here with Ephraim come home happened here when we were saved, and it happened here when we received the infillment of the Rahakadish, the Holy Ghost. The same, same, same. Because what? Same God. The continuation. The continuation. Now, did we fulfill the covenant when we were saved? We fulfilled a portion of the covenant, yes. And we're going to get to that, but we're going to, I'm, I'm baiting you because we're going, to, we're going to take a day or so to get you there, okay? And, and he goes on to say something, An everlasting covenant to be the God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee, and I will give unto thee, and to thy seed after thee, the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession and I will be their God. See, that was an everlasting, just like the everlasting covenant. It isn't going to end. God isn't bringing Ephraim home to take us over there to get us destroyed with our brother Judah. All right? And on the other hand, God's not going to leave us here and, and, and let us be annihilated when America is annihilated. That's not going to happen either. And by the way, isn't it interesting that the government just here just a few days ago, uh, you, uh, if you've read the, the, the latest thing... I hope some of you will uh, help my flesh out a little bit and say amen to this. I finally managed to get something out on the on the web uh, this uh, past week or so. You know, Donna's uh, Donna's got her hand up, thanking me. Okay, hallelujah. Uh, I think it was being insisted by Donna. The fact that I I try to do that. Uh, she said I was only a year behind, so I don't know how to catch up. But I am going to try to do something uh, maybe in the next uh, couple weeks here before we get busy again. But within that. I begin to, to talk about the vision that I had about the great bear, which I think probably all of you know. 
and how the little girl sat on the ground with a sack that had meat, and she'd take it out, and the, the bear was laying on the ground, and he was grievously injured, but he would open his mouth, and she'd place the food in his mouth, and he would chew it, and, and then he would take that huge paw and place it on her arm, and he would make a sound that sounded... I know you can't understand what animals would say, but if you could understand, it was probably thank you, graciously thank you. And that the Lord God spoke and said, this is Russia, and the day will come when Russia will be healed and will bite the hand that's fed it, meaning America. And the Lord said, you prophesy that Russia will fall. Now, this is, this is two years before Russia fell. You prophesy that Russia will fall because of their finances, their economics. And Russia will turn to America. America will invest millions upon millions upon millions of dollars into the Russian economy, thinking that they want to become democratic. And they didn't, and they don't. Okay? That's exactly what happened. But, but, but he said, tell them that the time will come when, when the bear will rise up and be well and will bite the hand that, 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 that fed it. Well, now, isn't it interesting that what we're seeing today on, on TV. It's interesting the fact that, yes, Russia, Putin now, and you know they're all upset over this missile defense thing, and they're going to do this now, and they're talking about the Cold War coming back in. What's that about the bears now well? See, uh, now, when I remember when prophesying that all these years ago, people made fun of it. They said, Russia can't go broke. I said, yeah, they're going to go broke. I said, that's what, that's what the angel come and told me, that they're going to go broke. Well, in the midst of all that, then I began to understand in the continuation of that, which God took me back just a few months ago and added things to that, was where I began to, he began to say, prophesy to America that America has now been surrounded by her enemies. Now, folks, everything has to happen first in the supernatural realm for it to ever uh, manifest itself over in the natural realm. So I didn't know, you know, uh, what was going on, uh, taking place with it. So I just prophesied the things that I that I saw. Now, if you missed that, uh, we put it out on the web. I don't know whether we got it up on the, up on the web. It's up there too, so you can go back and read it. And I won't go all the way through it. But one of the things I talked about was the KGB has the best of their people embedded in America, and of course Al Qaeda, which I have spoken uh, openly uh, probably for the past year and a half, that the Al Qaeda cells are here in America embedded. Now, just this past few days ago, uh, we now got a report from our government, and what did that report say? That they're certain now that Al-Qaeda is here in America. They're certain. Now, folks, <clears throat> I'm going to tell you, and most of you have probably heard me say it, I think I've got the answer to all this, and if I could have the answer, I wonder why the president and all of his men don't have the answer. Do you know the answer to this? Put them all on boats and send them back where they came from said, oh, now, wait a minute, you, you, but now you can't profile like that. You watch me profile like that. We haven't had any black people blowing themselves up, killing people. We haven't had any Asian people blowing people up uh, by putting bombs on them. We sure haven't had any Americans now. We've had a few get entangled with them. But see, I prophesied that. The danger in letting uh, 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 the, the, them come in here, the Muslims come in here to start out with, was that they were going to coerce even Christians over into their into their religion, and 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 people didn't want to listen. Said, "Oh, that can't happen," but it did happen. I prophesied by what God told me to the angel that the that the Muslim religion would become the biggest and fastest growing religion in America. It's done that. And what are we doing? We're sitting back here waiting 
for a time bomb to go off. And listen to me, it's going to go off. There's something, and, and now, now, now listen to me, that's going to happen, and I'm going to tell you why. Now, when I say it's going to happen, it could be five years from now. Time is something I've never known or enough of to even talk about. It's none of my business. He's God. I'm his mouthpiece. I just speak what he tells me to speak. I do what he tells me to do. But let me tell you something I know. Things have gotten too quiet in the spirit realm for me. And every time things get quiet, things begin to happen. Well, don't you think God's going to tell you? No, God didn't have, God's already told me. See, I, I've, I've, I've said for quite some time, America has been warned. Okay? America has been warned, mostly falsely warned by a bunch of people that think they're prophets that they're not, but uh, nevertheless, uh, uh, they scared the socks off of a lot of people, but a lot of stuff they prophesied that didn't come to pass. By the way, that great earthquake in here, uh, you might as well write the guy the letter and get it all ready to mail. It's supposed to happen this year. That's not going to happen here. That's not going to happen through here. Uh, bless God, I, I don't know what it's going to take for people to quit listening to that kind of garbage, but I guess they're just going to have to keep missing, and people like me is going to have to keep screaming, it just ain't going to happen, okay? It's not going to take place. Now, what's that got to do with the covenant? God is saving a people. God has, from the generations of your forefathers, all the way back to the beginning as to when they were in the northern kingdom of Israel, he has had a plan. The plan has been implemented. He said that over and over again to the world, repent you, repent you. But uh, we shed so much blood on the land of this world, there's no repentance left. All right? God will avenge the blood that's been spilled on the land. I said before, there, God will bring this nation and will bring the land because we would not rest the land and give a Sabbath to this land. God will bring this nation's land to a Sabbath. He will bring it to it. And it won't be any fun to watch. All right? The covenant. So Abraham, he's, you know, he's sitting there, and there he is. He, the age he is. And, and the ninth verse says, And God said to Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed after thee, and their generations, which means more than one. This is my covenant which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man-child among you shall be circumcised. And ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant between me and you. So that's the token of the covenant. Now, we're not going to get into the fact that uh, am I, can I enter into the covenant without being circumcised? Uh, was that part of the Abrahamic uh, covenant that passed on? Uh, we're, not, we're not going to. The only thing I can say is that if you've not been men circumcised, you probably should consider such. All right? Uh, isn't it funny that on the eighth day, that uh, when a baby boy, a male is born, he was circumcised? Do you know that they, they, I don't know where they still today. I know when my boys were born, they circumcised them the eighth day still. That was a world doing it. That was a doctor doing it. It wasn't an Orthodox uh, Jew. It was, a, it was a worldly doctor that I don't even know was even saved. But you see, the, the, the thing that I want you to understand, God's ways work. And that's what we've got to grasp onto. When you can line up with it, see, that's the reason I keep saying uh, over and over, the Jews are the healthiest and the wealthiest people in the world. They're doing something right, and they're not even saved, folks. But they're doing something right. 
we're going to have to get smart enough to say, hey, if, if I can have what I've got through the blessedness of, of being uh, born again, uh, through the blood that Yeshua uh, brought, filled with the Rahakadish, if I can find out over here what my brothers, what they're doing, and if I can incorporate these two, it's going to explode. And folks, that's the formula of all this, is to understand that we, we are standing, bless God, trying to figure out a living God that you're not going to figure out anyway. You know what he said? It's a little, come to me as a little child. Just come to me and say, God, I don't have the foggiest idea what's going on. I'm certain you do because you are the creator of all things. Now, you might not be going to tell me. You might not going to be showing me. But God, I'm just going to believe the word here. If any of you have gone through the thing I did on divine guidance, you heard me say over and over again, quit waiting around for dreams, visions, and visitations, and, and audible and, and small, still voices. Get into the Word of God. Obey the Word. It's God speaking to us. That's what's important. It's important for us to understand that. With, with the covenant, the thing with the covenant, because you see, we're now dealing here with a supernatural element crossed over into the natural. In other words, he says, all right. He said, in, oh, that's going to be the covenant is going to be the fact that you're, it's going to be the, the uh, uh, circumcision. 11 verse, and ye shall circumcise the place of your foreskin. It shall be a token of the covenant between me and you. And, and, and he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man, child in your generation. He that is born of the house or bought with money of, of any stranger, which is not of thy, thy seed. Uh, he that is born in thy house and, and he that is bought with the money must needs be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your place for an everlasting covenant. So it's an everlasting covenant. So, so you're saying then people that aren't even saved, that have been, the males have been circumcised, did they enter into their covenant? Listen, his covenant, listen closely. Yes, they did. That can be dangerous and it can be a blessing. The problem with this, of which you've heard me say many, many times, there's blessings and there's curses. You're going to, you're going to have to choose. The Bible says you choose which is going to be for you and yours. You choose. And, and the, the problem is, we have gotten into a lot of things of God. See, again, the medical field somehow decided, and then I think they decided some years then, uh, not too far back, that maybe circumcision wasn't that important. And uh, then they've decided again that maybe it is that important. And God says, no, no, you don't understand. Circumcision is a sign between me and you of a covenant that I have made with you, Abraham, that will be unto you and to your seed and to your seed after you. It was a it was a covenant. It was made by God. It was it was it was put forth. And and every time and 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 Israel Israel has always been known by their males as to have been what to have been circumcised. And the un uncircumcised man whose whose uh, uh, ch or man's child whose flesh of the foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. So, uh, so can you do something? Now, listen. Can you do something as being somebody that doesn't understand anything about God? And you, as I said before, you become circumcised because that's what they did in the world. You have touched or entered into the covenant, and then you don't keep the covenant. Are you in trouble? You're in a heap of trouble. You're in big time trouble because you've touched the thing of God. We. We'll never understand until that day 
what it must have been like when Moses stood before the Lord God. We won't understand. It frightened him, scared the socks off of him, however you want to put that, but he experienced the living God. And yet at the same time, he couldn't understand while the rest of them boneheads couldn't grasp onto and just do what God says to do. And this thing today with this prophet, it's the same way. All you got to do is just do what God says to do. Get away from religion. Quit this thing. Well, you know, in my church, we didn't teach that. Let me tell you something. There is only one church, and it is the church of the living God. There's not 15 different doctrines. There's not a God of the Old Testament, a God of the New Testament. There's not, bless God, uh, you know, a set of rules for the Jews and a set of rules for the church. One God, one set of rules. That's the way he is. He never changed. He said, I will never change. Now, why would he say, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever, which we have quoted repeatedly in the church world, why do we say that and then turn around and say, well, well, he, you know, he's changed because when Jesus comes, now wait a minute, he either changed or he didn't change. That covenant that he brought to the, to the world, to the children, his children, is either viable today or it's not. Because he said, he said, my words will never pass away. Hmm. Food for thought, you better believe it is. Let's go to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus. I love this book. I love reading about all this stuff that how it was that there was Moses and he was raised, uh, you know, in a, the royalty of the Egyptian home and then he went back to his roots and how God brought him forward. In the second chapter and the 23rd verse, it says, and it shall come to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of bondage and they cried and their cry came up unto God by reason of bondage and, and God heard that, that their groanings and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God had respect unto them. Now, what did it take for God to remember his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It took what? The children of Israel crying out. They cried, and the cry came up before God. If there's ever a time that we as the children of God need to cry out for our brothers and our sisters throughout the land is now, that he will remember once again the covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He once again will remember what he's done and what he promised to do through all the generations that would be do what? That would serve him. See, the wonderful thing that I love about God is that when God says it, he does it. When God says it, he does it. Now, let me, let me, let me put something here, hopefully to rest. Question, then if I become a covenant keeper, does it mean then all my troubles are going to go away? Look at my face. No. Sorry. Did all their troubles go away? No. But they were the righteousness of God. When push comes to shove, when the things come that you have need of, when the things come 
in the, in the coming of what we're about to face here in America and this world, our God is going to stand up. See, my concern is to get you, the, 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 the remnant of God, to understand what causes the 91st Psalm to operate in your life. And it sure isn't because you're a Christian and you go to church every Sunday and once on Wednesday night. That's not, that's not what this is about. Sadly, we were told that. But sadder than sadly is it never worked, it never has worked, and it ain't going to work even now. Unless you are capable of looking back at this thing and saying, wait a, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute that there's not any weapon that's formed against me that will prosper. Huh? And, and, and anything, any, anything that comes, any disease will, uh, won't even come near my house. Folks, we got to have that. You can talk in tongues all day long, folks, and it's not going to be enough to turn the tide back of what's coming to this earth. You're going to have to know who you are, and you are going to have to become a covenant child in order to make this thing work for you and your families. I don't think that unless you have sat and you've meditated very long, that maybe you've considered the meddling that's going to happen when this 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 bird flu thing comes. By the way, have you did you have you read the latest thing where something like five fifty thousand or whatever it was turkeys were tested here in America and they all have H5N1, but it's a mild strain. Folks, they don't tag H5N1 to mild strain. It gets tagged with another. Whatever, whatever, and however. Have you heard where now that they have found out, I'm not sure where in the world, that now that flies are now carrying the H5N1 strain? Yeah, flies are carrying it. Have you heard them say now, the government, have you heard the government say that you should be putting up provision for this pandemic? This just happened here a few weeks back. Well, why doesn't somebody just come out and say, well, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. You're hearing it out of the mouth of a prophet. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. The government isn't going to tell you it's going to happen. The government, as I said, they cannot take the, uh, the chance of a panic happening here in America. That's the reason we're going to be the last to know when that thing goes airborne. Oh, we're going to know, but we're not going to know until it gets to a point where there's no other thing for us to do except to know. All right? But imagine the meddling that's going to happen. What's going to happen, bless God, when, when they start walking down the streets and they say, well, let's go into that house. You remember back down when the Katrina thing happened in New Orleans down there at the, at the, at the Superdome and, and this uh, brother was standing there and he said, he said, this is really the pits. And the reporter said, how's that? said, we're having to go out here and steal from our own so we can have food for our babies. You hear what he said? Steal from our own so we can have food for our babies. Folks, they are going to ransack, to murder, to rape, to kill in every way, shape, or form to take everything that can be gotten from top to bottom except those that are covenanted with God. They come by my house, they're going to say, no, we've already checked there. Nope, nothing there. We're going to check there. You said, can God do that? God can do anything. I told you when we started this thing, I want you to begin to have possibility thinking. Hey, thank you again so much. That's Prophet Tom Deckard, Mount Carmel, Illinois. 
Cradle of Hope Ministries. Again, you can get more information out at the website, www.jewishprofit.com. Get out there, do yourself a favor, find out what's going on here. 